ideas and content expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the views or opinions of any current or previous employers. You know, I think you're getting really good at that. I, I am. I've been practicing. Yeah. <laughs> what over like 12, 13 deep and you nailed it. I'm just going to record that and use that for the rest of them so you don't mess them up going That sounds forward. like a fantastic idea if you could figure out how to edit anything. We, would, know, we wouldn't have to that. do half of I this can't stuff. Do that. All right. <laughs> Excuse me. Welcome to uh, Construction Manager Podcast episode. I don't know. Season two, episode, episode three. Episode two. Three? Don't we, don't, we don't know. Jesus, we are terrible. Y- y'all just stick around and listen to Anyway, us. so today we've got Matthew Cooper with us, which is awesome. Uh, he is with uh, PEG, which I believe, Matthew, correct me if I'm wrong, but that stands for Patuxent Environmental Group. Originally, yes, when the company started 21 years ago, but these days it's just um, PEG LLC. I love it. G-L-L-C. I love it. So we're actually going to talk. So we we told our all of our wonderful listeners that we were going to get a little more technical this season, which we are, and we're going to talk about something today that is near and dear to my heart, um, which is building science. <clears throat> Excuse me, which I feel is a, a, like the missing link in construction management training. You know, most companies spend their dollars training their their construction managers or superintendents how to use scheduling software. You know, the ins and outs of concrete, roofing, flashing. So they spend their money kind of in an overall, like, this is these are the different pieces that go into this structure, but they never really talk about how that structure works, how the systems integrate together, how the thermal envelope works with the HVAC, um, and how all the different pieces go together, which is um, one of the reasons we brought Matthew on is because he is an expert in the field of building science has an amazing track record in it, and I think can really talk to to us about the need and the necessity for that missing piece to be integrated into our construction management training. Um, <clears throat> so without getting too much into that, Matt, can you uh, just tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself and your company while I clear my throat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is uh, an exciting opportunity to talk about building science and residential new construction. Like you said, I think it's a, an area that is strongly overlooked, um, and it, it really is a very important area, particularly when it comes to you know, the quality of construction uh, and ultimately the, the livability or the comfort of, and even in some cases, the health um, of a home that um, is a, a major investment for a lot of people. So. Uh, we do feel it's really important. Uh, as I said earlier, our, we're, our company's in its 21st year in business. Uh, we're an engineering and, and energy-focused consulting firm. We're licensed mechanical engineers in all 50 states, and we work daily, conduct about 4,000 inspections of residential new construction every day in uh, across about 26 states. That is amazing. Um, wow. And, yeah, thank you. And, and we've uh, been the Energy Star partner of the year as an energy raider for the last eight years in a row yeah that's incredible actually i follow that every time i see it i see you guys out there i'm like man look at them they are killing it so that is that is super impressive and you know full disclosure i've had i've had a chance to, to work directly with peg and i'm telling you it's a great it's a great organization say, you worked in this industry right i did i worked in this that industry company. a few years ago and uh peg is definitely the leader in you know, home energy and building science. They, uh, I, I will say, it's a group of, of of professionals, and it was actually it was a pleasure working with them. You know, briefly a few years ago. Anyway, so let's get into this. So, let me back up a little bit. so 
Um, it's lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's, not, it's so rare that I give compliments. I don't know what to do afterwards. Uh, <laughs> all right, so the first topic on the list was, was just building science in general and what the definition is. And I, I, I was just joking with Damien a second ago. I said, when I read this podcast, it sounds like this definition was something that Damien made up when he was writing this outline. It's to make us sound more lofty, man. <laughs> more um, scholastic. Go so, ahead, read it. So, so basically, building science, right? It's the it's the the knowledge that focuses on the analysis of the physical phenomenon affecting buildings. Um, like an easy way to say that is essentially it's how weather and environment affect the functionality of a building or how a building works. Matthew, would you would you agree with that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when we when we talk about building science, you know, to to talk about it in its simplest form, it's it's how do we get you know the high performance buildings, residential new new construction homes of today, um, to function in the manner that they were intended to function, um, and to be able to provide you know the the, the comfort and um, moisture control, et cetera, that uh, buyers expect and and deserve. Yeah. So, and moisture, moisture control, I will tell you, is probably the hottest topic in the construction industry from a builder's standpoint that I, I can... You mean in Virginia when it rains every single day for like two straight years? <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. it's huge. We spend a lot of time talking about moisture control and really how to keep moisture out. But you know, what we don't talk about is moisture migration, which is part of, you know, building science, um, or, or really thermal dynamics which is essentially how heat moves. So I'm going to get lofty again with Jason here. That's the second thing on the list. So, so thermodynamics is a, is a branch of physics that deals with the relationships between uh, heat and other forms of energy. So uh, essentially, hot goes to cold. If you can remember that, yeah. then you're, you're good. And, and the same thing with, with moisture. I mean, we have, we have spent so much time and energy trying to figure out how to keep moisture out of our homes and buildings that uh, you know but one thing we i don't ever remember talking about is how um moisture moves you know whether it's through you know air so that's a big that's a big one so let's let's kind of talk about the thermal en uh, envelope if we can because you've got you know your roof system your wall system your exterior walls uh -huh. so whether it's you know your sheathing and then you you know you've got tyvek or you've got zip wall or whatever you use on the outside of your building then you've got your cladding, and that whole system works together, and everybody focuses on moisture, right? Because it's so important. But the one thing that I find that kind of gets missed a lot is the <clears throat> air infiltration, um, because people don't realize that moisture will travel through air. So if you have like a leaky building, um, all that moisture is coming right in. So I, I give you an example. You mean if it's not airtight? If it's not airtight. But you know, and it's and Matthew, this is something that I've struggled with. For years, you know, we build these these buildings so airtight that all of a sudden we have to introduce mechanical ventilation. So I'm like, maybe we don't build them so airtight, and we don't need that mechanical ventilation. But and I go back and well, forth you know, with that. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, for, for you know, decades and decades of um, new new home construction in in the U.S. You know, the, there, w there was not a, an emphasis on airtightness um, from a perspective of controlling um, utility costs for heating and cooling. 
Um, but definitely since 2006, um, the, the energy codes since 2006 onward have, have, have made huge steps in the requirements for how the, how the thermal envelope performs. Um, and, and even though codes are adopted in different phases at, at different points across the country, um, and we have to take into consideration that, you know, every climate zone comes with its own requirements. So if you're building a house in Santa Fe, New Mexico, it's very different than building a house in, in Buffalo, New York, or building a house in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, you know, when, as you, as you said, when you talk about thermal dynamics, for me, the simplest way to envision what you're talking about is that um, energy in any form always tries to reach equilibrium. So energy of anywhere there's a higher concentration of energy on one side of a, a physical structure to a lower concentration of energy on the other, they're going to try to equalize. And that really drives how we design and build the exterior envelope of our, of our homes is you know what's the predominant condition for that part of the U.S. Um, for the majority of the year? So that's why we have very different strategies for uh, exterior envelope and you know where air barriers go, where vapor barriers go, where insulation goes, depending on are you a predominantly cooling climate or a predominantly right. heating climate, or like you said in Virginia, you're a mixed humid climate. And some, some, sometimes it's a, it's not so mixed. It's just human constantly, and that that really is the beginning force of how do we understand what's moving and how is it moving? It's always going to move from the higher concentration to the lower concentration, trying to reach reach equilibrium. And we build these wonderful boxes and try to break up that process of physics. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because we get a lot of requests for some crazy stuff. So we're talking about. <clears throat> If I can just digress a little bit. So we talk about insulation a little bit. Um, we are constantly getting requests. People say, you know what? I want insulation in every single interior wall in my house. And, you know, I ask them, I say, why, why would you want to do that? And they say, well, for sound. I'm like, but, and I, that's when I go into my whole, um, you know, this house is designed to have a thermal envelope. And that insulation goes on the exterior walls, just like you're saying, to keep the cold out or the hot out. Uh, so that we can make that interior comfortable and when we start insulating all the interior walls we're actually like turning that thermal envelope into just a maze a mess and the house we're building or whatever it happens to be just isn't able to heat and cool the way the house was designed to if you start changing the boundary sectioning levels. off parts so, of the house you know let's talk about that because that's one thing um it's really important to recognize as a as a construction manager or a superintendent or anyone really, you need to know where, how to identify your thermal envelope. Where is it? So before you even start the construction of a building, you need to open up the plans and look at it and say, what is this space used for? So if you look at, I'll use attic space as an example. Um, you know, depending on the structure you're building, most houses, that attic space is unconditioned space and might as well be outside. So your thermal envelope is actually the ceiling of your top floor, not the roof line. And it's important to understand that, you know, your moisture plane, it will be the roof line. Right. But your thermal envelope actually falls below that on that ceiling. You know, and to take it back down to, like, the construction manager's level, where you're going to have this discussion is with a homeowner. Um, For sure. And, you know, we always, I, I was always taught to say, wherever you're standing in a finished space in your home, all the walls should be 
insulated where you're standing above your head on the sides um not necessarily below you yeah. um and that's the rule of thumb and like you said when you start cordoning off parts of the house with insulation it makes it heat and cool differently it does Ma- matthew would you see have you seen issues where certain parts were insulated in a home and it's caused an issue well the the interesting thing about you know the envelope the the acceleration of how well homes perform today um there's so many you know better performing products available today from house wraps to zip panels to all, all kinds of solutions that are out there and really what happened is that um since the the overall performance of the envelope of most homes has gotten much better where there's a fault in that envelope becomes a, a point of concentration and that's what we see more than anything today is that you know we may have you know fantastic windows we have a fantastic you know basic envelope from a thermal performance perspective but if we miss something like bandboard insulation or air, air sealing at um, at the bandboard now where air is able to get in it's going to come in at a much higher rate than it would have if the entire envelope was leaky and that's really what happened you know our homes when they were being built in the 40s 50s 60s and even in the 70s you know air could get in wherever it wanted to and so it, it didn't concentrate but now but now since the envelopes perform so well where it gets in it gets in at, at, a, at a high rate and it brings moisture with it brings temperature with it and that's where we end up with you know in, in a lot of parts of the country we have sweating ducts where you know we put we, we run a bulkhead around the perimeter of a room um, and the, the duct work is inside that bulkhead and maybe you know nobody remembered to insulate um, on the back side of where where that chase is or where that bulkhead is so that's where the most air gets in and it comes right into contact with with the, the ductwork which is either hot or cold and that causes duct sweating um, so it's we, we've kind of created a little bit of a monster ourselves by having all these awesome products to use um, because if they don't get used properly like you said the first step for you know any, any construction professional is is read the drawings look at the plans understand the manufacturer's installation guidelines for those products and really you you also have to understand and analyze the the scope of work or the phase spec for for your event your trades and understand who's responsible for that air sealing who's responsible for that that um, air barrier um and make sure that they're there because it, it just it really it really gravitates towards a much smaller area and drives with much harder force because when we talked about the thermal dynamics earlier in the conversation, you know, it, it hasn't gotten any cooler outside in the summertime. It hasn't gotten any warmer outside in the wintertime. But now that difference that's trying to equalize it has a much smaller area to try and do it. Yeah. So, so you're basically saying if you have a very tight home with one void, it will exchange cold air let's say in the winter time into your house much faster than uh <laughs> much faster than uh much faster than if you had like leaky windows all the way around it you see a, a yeah, much I mean, larger exchange of air yeah and that's a very common thing when when you know you, uh, you're walking a new house with a, a new buyer um or maybe a buyer has just moved in and they're experiencing their you know their first winter and you know they call and they say hey I, I feel cold air coming in through this exterior wall electrical outlet you know i thought you said my home was you know an energy efficient home 
and you know, you know, maybe the blower door numbers for testing the air infiltration of the house are fantastic. They meet every standard, but where the air is getting in, it's going to come in through the path of least resistance, and often it's something as simple as an exterior wall electrical socket and you know the outlet, and you know the homeowner feels it, and suddenly they question in their mind, you know, is is my house really energy efficient right. when you know it's it's a very small amount of air, but it's very noticeable. I used to get that all the time, all the time. You know the uh, the other um, um, issue I used to hear a lot was especially with new construction, people would have, like, set their dining rooms up, they'd have lots of windows and stuff, and the same, so there's this occurrence called convective currents, right? So that's when hot meets cold, and you get this this airflow, right? One goes up, one goes down, essentially, uh-huh. you get a current. You're and, feeling it. And, and people will, will sit next to a window in their dining room, and be like, these windows are so leaky, these windows are so leaky, and, I, you know, one of the things I used to do is I would set up a blower door, um, which is essentially... That's the best way to describe that, Matthew. It's a big. It's it's used to to either pressurize or or um, depressurize. Depressurize. It's a it's a calibrated fan. It's a calibrated fan that's used to simulate a pressure difference uh, across the envelope of the house. Okay, perfect. So what happens is essentially, it if you're sucking all the air out of the house. What it's going to do is draw outdoor air into the house yeah, and you'll be show able to, you where it is. And show you where it is. You can use, you know, a, a thermal camera. You can use smoke pen. You can just use your hand. So I would set this up. And what I found a lot of times, especially with cheap windows, you would get if it's like really cold outside and it's hot inside, you get this current on the surface of the glass, and it, well, it's enough to move the hair on your arm. So it. people would be like, "These windows are so leaky. These windows are so leaky." So I'd set this blower door up, go over, and I'd show them it's not your windows that are leaking. You just have cheap ass windows. <laughs> <laughs> not leaking they just don't insulate very well. right so um anyway but if when you set these blower doors up it, it's it can be it can be dramatic the uh the air infiltration because really sure. it exaggerates the stack effect it, um correct if i find saying anything that's wrong i've been out of it for a little bit matthew but um just feel free to jump in and correct me but i you know it exaggerates the stack effect of a house or a structure right which basically means Matthew was talking about that equilibrium, right? So you get, and you hear this a lot in multi-story homes, townhomes specifically, condo buildings, things like that, where you get, you know, it's always colder on the ground floor, hotter on the top floor because heat rises. And because um, we've we've got this phenomenon where hot always goes to cold, so you get this this air that comes in low and it goes up high and that it accumulates up there. When you're walking up a flight of stairs in like a three or four story building, you can actually feel that equilibrium point as you walk through it. In, in most houses. Um, but that blower door, and one of the things it does is it, it exaggerates that effect in a house. Yeah, well, it's I mean, they're cool. also digging a hole and building the first floor of the house underground, essentially. Yeah. So that's naturally going to be cooler in the winter, or cooler, it's going to be cooler all the time, right? right. How, how, Matthew, how, how do you see, like, correction of issues when you when you hear the age-old my basement is cold and my attic is hot well we, we look at, at a, a kind of a simple de- explanation is in, in any structure you have planned airflow and you may have unplanned airflow and you know here again at, you know when we've we've built a really awesome performing envelope um, in a lot of cases you know our HVAC systems design and selection are not keeping up to speed with with the envelope performance and the way that we're building homes. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of builders are are panelized or they're completely offsite built. 
um, or they're using advanced framing that really allows for you know quality um, insulation all the way into corners of a home called a California corner. Um, so, you know, we've got really well-performing envelopes, and in a lot of cases, unfortunately, the HVAC industry hasn't caught up. And, you know, we're still doing things like putting registers out at the perimeter to wash windows when today's windows don't need to be washed um, because they have excellent UV performance. Um, when we have unplanned airflow, often it can be because, um, you know, some parts of the country like to use centralized returns with jump ducts or undercut doors or transfer grills. Other places in the country, you know, the contractors, they're, they're typically going to run a return to every room. Um, you know, we try to focus on a, 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 a kind of a, a combined strategy where we've got some traditional installation guidelines with some what we call compact design where we're using you know, better quality registers that actually mix air in the room, and we do a combination of centralized return with ducted return to a master suite. And often, you know, that highest room or that highest part of the house um, tends to, tends to be where you know we 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 often put things like the master suite. Um, and you've got the people that you know have invested the most into this house um, that have the least amount of comfort. And really, that comes down to you know, how well was the HVAC system designed and, you know, was it sized properly so that there was enough velocity in the ductwork when it gets to that furthest point of supply that it's able to mix air in the room or was it not designed that well and you've got great air exchange on lower floors and very little left to uh, treat the, the upper floors. Yeah. So that combined, that those things combined with stack effect um, you know, when we build tall skinnies, we build four-story towns, what have you, um, you know, it's, it can manifest itself into, you know, a, a really challenging thing to try to figure out what exactly is, is wrong and how do I fix it. So I am going to now refer to every single townhouse as a tall skinny. <laughs> <laughs> tall skinnies. I love it. Um, you know, it, it's funny, you know, and I, I will tell you, Matt, I think it's through... Um, the EPA and all the all the information BPI ResNet um, all these organizations that are are out there and they're they're educating people about uh, building science. I give you a great example. You were talking about comfort. Um, you know, one complaint that I've heard for years, um, and I don't actually hear it anymore because most builders have caught on and fixed this problem. But people would always say, you know, we always like to put that master suite above the garage, right. or there's a nursery above the garage, and people are, you know, traditionally like, oh, it's so cold in this room, and and traditionally I would always say, well, yeah, you've got one, two, three, four, five exterior walls on this in this room, it's going to be colder. Um, but through, you know, education on insulation and air sealing, and HVAC design, you, you're finding that now those the ceilings of those garages are we're using products like spray foam uh -huh. which does both insulate and air seal at the same time right. and it really you take that and you combine that with a better hvac design and and all of a sudden those rooms are, are as comfortable as the rest of the room and most of the time when you have that complaint the air seal is the issue for sure because it's always insulated you yep. know it's insulated yep. that's inspected but the small areas that were missed is usually what causes the problem you know i'll tell you air sealing can cause a horrible or lack of air sealing uh -huh. and airflow can cause just horrible horrible problems i've heard of builders that have had to 
you know, rip out the top floor of, you know, multiple, multiple townhomes, tall skinnies, <laughs> because of condensation collecting in the attic because there's not enough ventilation in like a flat roof. And you get that condensation and it literally turns that, that ceiling to mush. Yeah. And, you know, mold starts to form and all kinds of problems. So that's, uh, it's so critical. So I would really recommend any, any superintendent or construction manager out there that wants to, to really take their, their, uh, their knowledge to the next level, look into building science, you know, go to ResNet's website, go to BPI, which is the Building Performance Institute's website. There's tons of information out there, you know, crack a book and, uh, or just listen to this podcast over and over again until you got it. <laughs> um, but really, you know, once you start to understand thermodynamics and stack effect and how buildings, buildings work as a system, it will take your knowledge and your game as a, as a manager of construction projects to the next level. Um, and, and hopefully it helps when you're doing those checks along the process, thinking about these things. While you're looking at the house, while it's time to check HVAC and weather seal and air seal and yeah, yeah. insulation before you start closing it up and experiencing the problems later. I would also say if, you're, if you've got an issue with a building, it is important to have a company like PEG on speed dial so that if you've got you know, duct work issue, like your ducts are condensating, things like that, you can call an expert. If you can't figure it out yourself, call an expert. Have them come out. Give a second opinion. Take a look at it. Set up a blower door. Do some thermal imaging. See if you can identify the problem before it becomes a big deal. Oh, um, so anyway, Matt, we got to wrap it up a little bit. But I'm telling you, it was fantastic having you on. I think that Jason and I have dumbed you down a little bit, and you have made us smarter. A lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, where can people find you if they do want to get a testing done or anything? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our 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 website is www.pegenv.com. Um, you can also find us on on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, you know, we're we're we have a lot of folks in our organization that are very very involved in speaking and presenting, um, and we do a lot of training with with builders where we come out and we we work with trades and we. You know, educate them on why the simplest things are really so important, and that's where not everybody needs to be a building science geek. Um, it's really just attention to detail, and it's simple things like flashing and lapping and air sealing and, and quality of insulation install, and it can make a world of difference in, in the products that are being put out there. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys, that is going to be a wrap for... Uh, whichever episode in season two know. this is, Jason and I can't decide. <laughs> um, please keep listening. You know, follow us on uh, LinkedIn. Follow us? Yeah, follow us on LinkedIn. <laughs> Check out the website, constructionmanager.com. Um, we still have some exciting news coming. We're trying to plan a live event, uh, which will be amazing. We'll have details probably on uh, Instagram first, and we'll put it out to the world in the next podcast or so. We don't make any promises. You know, we're... We're not the best. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again to Matthew. I really appreciate you coming on. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. All right, Matthew. Thank you.